It's wonderful to see some of you just in your homes worshiping and just lifting up the name of Jesus. Yes, I keep saying this. This is not how we like it. This is not how we want it. But we are showing that we are robust. We are showing that we will press through no matter what the circumstances are. And, and, uh, and I've said this before and many times. It's different for all of us. All of us are facing these circumstances, facing things in many different ways. Some of us have faced stuff of unprecedented pressure, unprecedented things that have come against us. But we hold on to the truth and the hope in our King Jesus. Amen. So I want to just give some highlights to, you know, we're in the middle of July. That video clip, if you logged on earlier and watched us all dancing around the hall and waving flags, that was almost exactly two years ago. That was on the 27th of or 29th of July, 2019. And, uh, you know, just to see that place of us worshiping with, you know, <laughs> uninhibited praise. There were no masks. There was no worry and fear about stuff. We, we will and we are getting back to a time and a point like that. This is, as I said in the beginning, this too shall pass. But what we're going to be doing in a highlight, just walking forward into September we really feel, you know, every February we've done our 21 days of prayer and fasting. But as an eldership with what we've been chatting through, we really believe that September is another key time where we're going to do another 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, the key to this kind of time aside is that we really felt it's going to be decreeing and declaring. You know, that's from the place of our lips, okay, that speak and this praise of what God speaks out. We are going to speak of his goodness. We are going to declare his might in the midst of trial and challenges that we face. And we are going to do declarations through a time of prayer and fasting in September. So I want to, I'm telling you early because we've got to prepare ourselves when we walk into times like that. We don't just walk glibly and uh, we'll just go with the flow. We've got to prepare our hearts because we position ourselves to hear what God is saying. We position ourselves to listen. And then from what the Lord is speaking to us, we go forward with courage. Okay. And uh, that's that's what we're going to do in September. And I'll keep reminding us as we get close and close to that. And I, I just want to start off today by reminding us a little bit about what I spoke about in November last year, where I spoke about these nine dreams that I had um, and the series of dreams that God spoke to me about and gave a real indication of what God is doing in this time. Because it it is difficult sometimes to really know, God, what's happening in this time? There's so much chaos. There's so much being exposed. There's so much going down. But what is he saying? And remember, I said it from the beginning there. It's, that it's a time of reckoning. Okay, God is is reckoning. He's bringing to answer. He's bringing to point to people all that they've done. And he's measuring with judgment is rising across the nations of the world. He has put out his kind of word and his angels go forth and do it. And he is seeing where people's hearts are at. And it says judgment begins in Peter, begins in the house of the Lord. You know, and we are seeing many things being exposed within the church, many things coming forth. And we do not want to be caught felt short or fall short in this time. We want to know that our positioning before the Lord is with pure hearts and a conscience that's clear and clean hands and knowing, okay, that the judgment is on your heart. And it's not always about the works. It's your position of your heart, whether it's been wicked and evil or whether you're living in accordance to the, the will and the consciousness of living for God and the King. And seasons like we're walking through now, you see, truly do reveal our hearts. You know, this has been a challenging season. And uh, but the, the depth and the core of who we are is being tested and it reveals truly what's inside of us. And that's the place where he'll measure and judge us. And we as we push through. 
The second part of that, the dreams, was prayer and worship being crucial and key in this next season. That's why we're pushing this now with regards worshiping in our homes and just honoring God. And it's not easy. It's not the best to kind of do, but we are showing this robustness that prayer and worship are crucial. We've got something that we've started with our leaders in the background that we believe is going to roll out through the life of the church with regards to prayer, that we position ourselves in this time and this hour to hear from God, but that's birthed in prayer and the power of corporate prayer. I've got a friend in the States who's busy writing a book about corporate prayer. We've got a lot about individual prayer and all our individual walks and lives, but actually the power of the church arising corporately and how we do that and how we respond to that. We've got to hear and listen to where God is showing and leading us. So remember those things. And, you know, there's an exposing of things that's being hidden inside and outside the church. We've seen that taking place and shallow and surface Christianity is being shown up for what it is. And that's God's pushed us to a depth here that we've had to really hold on to our resolve of who he is. And the reality, when the church works in unity and we stand together as one, strongholds are being torn down. Mm. And we are seeing that play out in our time and age. We are seeing the works of the enemy being exposed and torn down. But what we've been proved here is we need to stand together. And I just wanted to remind you of those few little things. Okay, we're on the right track. God is God is holding us. He's carrying us. And we are walking in the place where he wants us to because he is doing a mighty work. And he's using this time to kind of show us and to build into us. And uh, and and all we need to do is to trust him and to trust the position there he's placed us to ensure that we continue advancing the kingdom. Now, mm-hmm. this morning, I want to I want to touch on a passage that I, you know, I've chatted in a little bit before, but I want to speak on through Romans 13. Okay, and the first verse in Romans 13, and some of you I can see are getting up to go and get your Bibles and stuff. But Romans 13, the first line in the first verse says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. You know, and this has been taken in many different perspectives and out of sync and out of context, I think, a few times, this passage. But I want to touch on this passage, just the first few verses of Romans 13. Okay, because it's we've seen through this time that we are being tested and this, as I say, this passage has been misunderstood, how we do it. So when we talk about government, and I'm speaking about earthly government now, we have to look at that from the perspective of the Bible. We have to look at it from God's perspective of what he instituted when he set governments and that in order and set in place. And I, and I taught this last year as well. The point from a biblical perspective of what government is, is mainly two things. The two things are, firstly, is to protect the people and to keep people safe. That is the the number one thing. The second thing is that criminals are punished and justice is done because then the people see that there's a standard upheld. We, We saw this playing out in our nation last week where the elements of justice are being pushed to its limit because an ex-president refuses to abide to the standard of law in our country. And so the government, to their credit, have held their line and stood firm on a context of how justice is operating. And this, folks, I want to tell you in our country is just the start, is just the beginning okay, of what's going to be rolling out and what's going to be playing out of things being exposed. We have to trust that the government that God has set in place will operate in justice and will flow. And in that is keeping us safe so that we flourish, that we prosper 
as people, whether we're Christian or non-Christian, it's the environment that God has set in place for us to prosper into this environment. I think that's very important to understand the foundation of what government is. So let's read from uh, Romans 13. I want to read the first seven, I'll maybe touch on the chapter, verse eight, and that it says there, and I'm reading from the, show. Sure, let me read from ESV. I'm going to read on my iPad here. Uh, one, chapters one, chapter 13, sorry. Um, sorry, this one just takes a little while to open up here. Um, okay, so we've got verse one. It says, let every person, okay, be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those who exist have been instituted by God. That's a very powerful opening kind of statement Paul makes there. Because no authority that's been set in place is without God's order. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad conduct. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Okay, for because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owned, are owed, are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. And read a few. Let's read the whole of chapter 13. Oh, no one anything except to love each other for the one who loves um, another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And besides this, you know the time, the hour that has come to you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than that we first believed. The night is far gone, gone the day is at hand. So let us cast off, off the works of darkness and put off the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ Amen. and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. It's a very powerful passage from Paul this morning and there's a lot into that. Okay? And I want to just unpack a little bit okay, of that for us here this morning. And I, I was led to this, this chapter and led to some of the thinking that I had this morning through a book that I've been reading called A Jew Will Rule the World. Essentially speaking about Jesus who is a Jewish man, will be the ruler of the world. He will reign as king and we will all bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that this king is Lord over all. And we that have accepted and acknowledged him, we find hope and joy in that. To others, it's a threat. 
Even Jesus being born as a baby was a threat to rulers and governments and authorities of the day. And they try to take him out. And, when I, and, and speaking about government, in this book that I was reading, and I want to quote you from a chapter where he was re- speaking about governments. And the guy's name is Joel Richardson, and it's a book called uh, A Jew Will Rule the World. And I just want to quote you here, quote him here, and, it's, and he says this, I think of the fabulous wealth and gaudy excess of the leaders of the kingdoms of Saudi Arabia. I think of the equally gaudy and outright gross exaltation of King Jong-un, the present director of North Korea. Even in the United States, rising to the office of president has become a guarantee of profound lifelong wealth. The abuse of power for selfish gain at the expense and often on the backs of the people is a problem that is common throughout the world in virtually every sphere of society. How is Jesus going to respond to this when he returns? And as I read that chapter and I was just, you know, talking about, he's talking about Jesus that's going to come back and he's going to rule and how these kings of this world, how will Jesus respond? And he, he quotes Psalm 110. And I spoke a little bit of this on Sunday night when we did our wild at heart thing. And he, and he, the first part of, you know, Psalm 110 is the most quoted um, Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. You know, the Old Testament is quoted about 600 times in the New Testament of citing of passages of prophetic words. And this Psalm 110 is the most quoted out of all of them because it speaks about the Messiah being, you know, Yahweh, the Messiah and uh, the God being, you know, the Lord of all, but his son Messiah will sit and rule on his throne and it speaks about, you know, that in the day of his power, the people will be willing in the day of his power. It speaks about the, the order of Melchizedek, that this Jesus and King and Messiah will set an order and be a part of that and fulfill that and work that out. But then the last verse that no one ever quotes is it says this. In the last few verses, it says, the Lord stands in full authority. I'm reading from the Passion Translation from 100, Psalm 110. The Lord stands in full authority. To shatter the pieces, the kings who stand against you on the day he displays his terrible wrath. He will judge every rebellious nation, filling their battlefields with corpses. He will shatter the strongholds of ruling powers. That's not one that we want to quote and kind of look at. That's, that's displaying our king, warrior, mighty lion of Judah coming to slay the wicked who have stood up against him and who have been evil rulers and politicians and in power that have not served the people, but have served their own and, and, and selfish gain. Look around the world today, folks. Yeah, I've watched this and seen many documentaries about our government and the, the process and the, and the understanding in our, in our early days of democracy. That is, if you step into political power and you got some kind of recognition in that it was a doorway to wealth. But, but that's, that's not serving the people. That's serving your own agenda. And we see that playing out through every government around the world. The dictators that rule through Africa for decades and decades. The people are impoverished. These people will answer one day to the almighty God when he comes and rules and reigns. And it says there, how's that? They will be the corpses on the battlefield. There's, there's a physical battle that's going to take out. Whether it's in this time, lifetime or in the lifetime to come, I don't know. I can't tell you when, but this is the hope that we have. And we hold on to the power of who our God is. And what I realized when I read this, and I, and, I, and I read that passage, and I read what that guy was saying in his book, I realized this, 
There is no fear of the Lord. There is no context for reverence and awe and the power of the majesty of our God. It's done in total selfish gain for power, for um, political strength, for all those things that are played out. There is no fear of the Lord. Okay, and we've seen this play out through time and time and time again. There's no regard for the Almighty and people do things in their own strength and he always has the last say. We are seeing that again prevalent in our days. So how do we respond to what Paul's saying in Romans 13 about, you know, submit to authorities when we see the governments doing what they are around the world today? How do we do? How do we take the, from today's passage Okay, and what, what we have to understand, you see, from this as we respond, God sets the authorities in place. Okay, there's no authority except God, except what God has set in place. Now, it's hard sometimes to understand that and think, well, like, why, why a guy like King Yong-un, whatever, in North Korea, why? God, what have you done there? I mean, that's not fair. That's not allowing. God doesn't, doesn't take responsibility for the sin of those wicked people. Okay, because it's their own agendas. Okay, and he allows sometimes he allows wicked rulers to rise up because of the sin of the people. And it's this response to where the people are at in not even honoring and serving God. We saw that time and time again with Israel. Okay, in their corruptness, in their um, their desire to worship Baal. God allowed a wicked ruler to rise up and to reign over them. And they had to submit in that position because of the sin of the people. Okay, And, and what we're seeing here is not something, and we read about it, it's not something new. We, we've seen it play out time and time again. And we're seeing it in the times we're living now about governments all being about power, money, seduction, and the corruption that plays out in, their, in people's hearts. Okay, And Acts 17 verse 26 says this, And he made um, from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, and having determined allotted periods, yeah, look at history, how allotted periods showed us different things about the wickedness of men, but the power and the strength of who God is, okay, determined a lot of periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. God is always positioned in such a way that leaders and nations will find him. That he speaks about in Matthew that we will not be a goat nation. We'll be a sheep nation. That we'll move to the right and not be pushed to the left. As those in the times when he comes to, 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 to judge and to judge the earth. Okay. So God sets authority in place. He's instituted this from the very beginning. Secondly, if we resist authority, we actually resist God. Okay. And what we're doing there is we're bringing judgment upon ourselves. Because... We we resist the government that God has set in place. We resist what God is trying to show us through the people that he's used to rule and to reign over nations and the governments. Okay. So when Paul was writing this chapter, okay, Paul was writing this in the time of Roman rule. Okay. Which was clearly, you know, a, a, a harsh kind of rule uh, of, of, of leadership and the emperors that ruled in those times. Okay. It was still very early days for the Christians who followed the way, as they speak about in Acts, okay, because the Jews and the Jewish kind of um, the belief and religion and the, the sect that this was believed was still approved and regarded by the Roman government, okay? So it was, it was okay, but it wouldn't last long because it came to the point, okay, where they, the people of God would not be subjected to saying these words, Caesar is God. And at that point, things changed. 
where you read through Acts many times, they say, well, we will not obey man. We will obey God. Okay. And this is the authority. There's a time and a point where we resist the authority, where it proves. And I'll show you what that is now as we walk through this time. Okay. Now we've seen this also play out over and over in this pandemic. And now people are responding to the points of government and understanding what God is doing in this time. So what it is not saying, okay, it's time for the church to rebel and riot in the name of Jesus. We refuse to do this. We refuse, which perpetuates a thinking of you just disobey the law, rebel against every authority and do what you want to do in your own eyes. Would you seem right? The very last verse in Judges says, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. And look how it landed up for them. They rebelled and they moved away from the purposes and the pleasure of God being poured up on them. We must not get caught up, folks, in that trap today. Okay, because here's the thing. If there's a hint of being told what to do and there's a hint of, um, it smells like, you know, you, you are, you are controlling us. We rebel and we all kind of kick our heads up and say, this is, this is crazy. I'm not abiding to this and stuff because I think we all struggle with authority and we struggle with submission. Because we've been so badly abused over the years. And when we taste a hint of it, we all rebel and freak out. But yet God sets authority in place. God has set these governments in place. And we need to understand that. So what we need in this time, in this hour, okay. And as, as I said, yeah, I said, we, we've also seen clear directives from government hampering the freedom of people. So we need wisdom, okay, and how we respond in times like this. Not reactively, not emotionally. It needs to be in unity as we do things. Now, Paul explains two things. I want to just chat on this quickly here. Two things when he speaks about responding in the chapter that we read. The first thing is responding to wrath. Okay. And how the wrath of ruler will pour out to you. And the secondly is our conscience. Okay. And what he's saying there is this is how we need wisdom in responding to as the government leads. Okay. So basically he's saying if you do good, your things will be okay. If you do evil, be prepared. For the sword to come. Okay. And he says, yeah, because they do not bear the sword in vain. They are God's ministers and they avenge to execute wrath on those who practice evil. That's what we trust with our governments. And we've got to believe that for our governments that they will. And we, we've saw a glimmer of hope of that taking place last week when, when we pushed the standards of law over our nation. Okay. So basically criminals and those who do evil should and will be punished. Okay, the Bible is very clear. It doesn't hold back on capital punishment and even the reality of death penalty. It it doesn't hold back when it comes to speaking about these realities. And that's God's order. That's God's standard because he hates evil. He hates wickedness. And this is what he arises up against. This is why we hope in Jesus. Okay, now remember, God set these rulers in place and whether they sin okay, as rulers and deal harshly on the people is not because of God. Okay, the authority comes from God, but the way they act is not from God. That's where the power corrupts and the wrath of these people will fall on us when we fall into the wrong place and they do they do evil in their own agendas. But we also that sin and criminal and do criminal work should be faced the wrath of government. Now, look at Nebuchadnezzar. He's a prime example of going against God. And I think it's with him that he ended up living, you know, for seven years or eight years and his nails grew long in his head. He was like a wild animal, but he came to his senses. Okay. And he submitted to God and then the nation flourished. You know, if you read in Acts 12, that Herod, and they were saying that he's a God, worshiping him as a God. And an angel came down and struck him dead and worms ate him. These are clear examples of God's wrath 
falling upon authorities who exalt themselves above God. His order, he will set it in place and he will take out who he wants to take out. And we have to lean in to trust him. Those are just two examples of God saying, <laughs> not on my watch. I've set you in place and these are the things that will take place. So the first thing is wrath. Okay, he's going to play out. The secondly is a clear conscience. And he speaks about not only wrath when he says there in verse, um, he says, does not bear the sword in vain for he is God's minister and avenging to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Verse five says, therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And I'll speak about this a lot. That being your conscience being clear. See, it's not conscience. It's firstly as Christians before God. That your conscience is clear. Okay. But also that before government. Our consciences are clear that we are willing and good citizens of this nation. Of South Africa. Do you have a clear conscience that you pay your taxes? Do you have a clear conscience that you honor and respect the government and leaders of today, or do you speak badly of them? Do you honor and respect and, and, and the revenue that needs to be paid and towards, do you do that? Is your conscience clear when it comes to regards to that? Because this is what the God, the Lord Almighty watches and he sees playing out. And that's why Paul speaks about conscience that we need, we need to know we are good citizens. I, I've actually got a speeding fine that is outstanding. So honestly, I went to bed the one night and I, I, my conscience wasn't clear. Like, crikey, I need to pay this fine. It's annoying. I mean, it is annoying to pay the fine. But I'm not being a good citizen by not paying the fine. Because I was speeding. Okay, I can argue it until the cars come home and try and say, well, Kathleen was driving. But it actually was me. And actually it was Andy and I going to a prayer thing at 6 in the morning. It was 20 to 6 in the morning. I'm like, yes. guys, but no one's awake. Why must I pay this fine? No, pay the fine. Okay, because you're guilty. Now, my conscience is not clear. That's being a good citizen okay, of this nation. Folks, we need to first and foremost believe that we are that before we start raising our voices and start dictating and telling the government what they can and what they can't do and who they think they are. Are you a good citizen? As a first first point of call. But also now, okay, what I'm, then, one, what, then Paul interestingly goes and speaks about love and all the reality of the law and the love your neighbors, yourself. He always throws that in. In the context of then put on Christ. You know, he's saying, you know, don't get caught up in the world's way of doing things. You know, all this sensuality and lustful actions and the ways of the flesh. But he says, make no provision for a flesh and its lusts. You see, if we're going to honor people in this, in this kind of way and honor our governments, it's crucial. But look, listen carefully. What am I not saying? I'm not saying, okay, now carefully, like this is the whole donut thing. You're not, you're not, don't listen to the little bit. Listen to the whole, what I'm saying. Okay, I'm not saying we just roll over and every little thing that the, the, the government tells us to do, we just abide and respond to kind of whatever needs to happen. No, no. There's a point, and we see that play through Acts, where we don't just roll over and go, yes, we'll just follow and abide. Okay, we have, um, when we have evil leaders, wicked leaders, okay, we've got to realize that God has allowed this to happen. Okay, he's allowed this. It could, as I've said before, the sins of the people, and we see this play out over and over again in the Old Testament, okay, where rulers were set in place and the people suffered under the people. Now, I was thinking about it this morning, you know, when, when government is set in place. If I was a little Hebrew boy in the time of Pharaoh in Egypt, and I refused to make bricks because he was not giving me enough straw, how's it going to work for you? <laughs> you are a nothing. You are going to be, the wrath of the government is going to affect you badly, okay? 
you often often we are in positions where we don't have a lot of say. It's tough. I know that. It's difficult. But okay. And how these rulers, what I, okay, again, what I'm not saying, we don't just roll over to everything, okay? The keys here, when the government starts deciding what our consciences must be thinking and our conscience must be, essentially, where the governments are forcing us to sin, where the government is forcing us to sin, that is where we step up and we say, no, no, there's no way we will ever, ever about it. If the government starts you know, basically dictating and telling us that we need to denounce the name of Jesus. We need to worship the governor. We need to worship the government. We need to worship the emperor. We need to set him as God. We need to set him as Lord overall. Uh, honestly, folks, we are a very long way from that happening in South Africa. Just think about that, okay? We are not being forced. We are not being forced to sin. Okay, as God's people. Okay, when it starts happening of that and our loyalty to Jesus as king as the ultimate authority stands, that's when we stand up against government. Okay, when our freedom is hampered, okay, in worship. So now what's starting to happen is there's this rising in the church of, wait a second, you know, if, if they truly are not for us and we constantly can't meet and gather, that's where we arise and say, no. We are going to meet because you are touching on our religious freedom, okay, being able to worship peaceably, to be able to worship in uh, with freedom, to be able to have breaking of bread together, to be able to operate when doing baptism, the ordinances that are set forward to us. Now, we've got to realize, you see, that that we've just, we're tasting of something in the last 18 months, whether it's truly opposing the church, I'm not fully convinced yet, but time will tell and Here's the thing that we have to be aware. If it is this, we need to arise as one. The church needs to be unified and say, no, we will not do that. And I've got full confidence that in this nation of South Africa, if our freedom is hampered by all these different things that are set in place and taken from us, it's causing the church to arise in unity and in power. And that's what we arise and say, we will not abide to that. And if it causes um, all sorts of disruptions, the millions of people in South Africa that will arise, let's see. How that works out for government when millions say, no, we take a stand. We need to be as one. Okay. That's when, that's when we stand up against government. When it doesn't, when it touches on our freedom. Okay. And like I said, when government starts affecting your conscience, telling you what you need to be thinking, touching on your values and your principles. So there's, there are things like that's why we fight hard with this computer thing about freedom of speech. It's such a broad bill they're trying to pass. I don't think it's going to get passed, but the realities of this marriage act. They are touching on the things of God. They are touching on his values and ordinances that he set in place about marriage. This is when the wrath will, of God will touch on these governments. Okay, When we are told to stop preaching this message of the gospel. How many times in Acts they were flogged and said, now stop preaching and stop telling of the good news of Jesus. And what did they do? The very next verse. And they went out into the temple mount and preached the good news of Jesus. Okay, We obey God, not man. When it comes to infringing on our rights and our freedom to worship him. Okay. And I come back to the verse that I quoted earlier on from Psalm 110. Okay. That these chiefs, these rulers and the authorities that don't live in the fear of the Lord. Okay. They will answer. They will answer. Okay. And they will become, it says, like corpses on the battlefield. So that's um, now what I'm saying is not we just don't roll over. We've got to choose our time with wisdom. And knowing when we arise and say, no, no, not on this watch. 
we will not fall and bow to these realities. So what is our response, folks, in this time? I mean, it's annoying here, doing it on Zoom, it's working, but we want to gather together. How do we respond in times like this, okay, when the government takes our freedom, okay? And as I said, yeah, there's an arising awareness in this nation and the nations of the world that if governments have got these agendas, I firmly believe there are enough strong believers with influence that will arise and we will stand together as one and we will not be pushed down. I I know that. In particular, this nation of South Africa, I know that. It'll come. We've got to choose our battles and to choose which ones are right. Okay. The key is, I've said, is a united force. Ensure that we don't position ourselves for wrath. Okay. But we ensure that your conscience is clear towards your government. And in before, firstly, before your God, but before your government that God has set in place to rule over us. Okay. And we saw justice playing out last week where an ex-president is just defying that. Folks, it's massive. And what are people are doing? People are defying the law even further because of the lawlessness that is taking place. Yes. Where do you stand with that? It's crucial how we position ourselves and understand this, okay? Because when you position yourselves in wrath and your conscience isn't clear, okay, we, we as people of God also need to live in the fear and the reverence and the awe of the Almighty God. He is mighty. And he can command and set things in order with just a word and a nation can be saved in a day. That's our mighty God. But he's allowing these things to take place. That's building us up and making us strong. And I really felt God just say to me too in the, in the context of the times and season we're in, folks, be strong with regards to the basics. It's, it's not a season necessarily, uh, you know, to, to, we've had many opportunities for the church to arise, but the basics of prayer, yes. of worship, of honoring the word of God in your life, our love for one another. Keep the basics pure in your heart and just do those well and watch how God will use his people as we position ourselves with this. We, we stand firm, you know, and I want to warn us too. I want to, there's a strong warning here. Do not get caught up in the polarization of what's happening in our society because what's going to happen, the enemy wants the church to polarize itself, meaning, okay, so let's take an example of vaccines. The church are arguing back and forth about, yes, you can, no, you can't, yes, you can. Look, folks, you have to have your own conscience clear about how you feel about the vaccine. If it's going to cause the church to be divided, then the enemy has won. Do not get caught up in the polarization. So we see in the church the polarization with regards to the freedom of women ministering and being involved in church. So some people say, never. Women must be silent and sit there with their hats on and be quiet. Others say, yes, they can preach, they can do everything. What's it caused? Polarization. The enemy goes, ha, 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 I win. Because you're not unified. We have one king. We have one God. And John 10 speaks about one shepherd, one flock. That's what we are. And we need to be sure that our consciences are clear before the Almighty God, that He doesn't have judgment against us about how we've treated His body. Be clear, folks. Do not get caught up in this polarization. I want to also say to you, you are not always right. You might have watched a million documentaries and conspiracies. It doesn't mean you're right. You are defending something that is not yours to defend. We defend and Jesus will defend Himself. Okay, we stand firm as the body of Christ, upholding who we are as he, and him as our king, and knowing that we can be looked at by the world saying, who are you people? We know you by the love you have for one another. 
Be warned, folks. Do not get caught up in the world standard and the enemy's ploy okay, to polarize us and to cause us to run into separate directions. Okay? So we've got to trust and we've got to stand. We've got to stand firm in this time. And I'm not saying we just roll over to government. But when the government hampers on our freedom and starts dictating and telling us and causing us to sin, that's when we stand up. And I want to tell you, I want to ask a question to you. Are you ready for that? Because it's going to cost you. It's not going to just be me, Pastor, there up front going, oh, we refuse. We don't do this. And I'm the one that gets arrested. No, no, this is going to implicate, implicate all of us. And the test is, are you ready? Are you ready to be a part of that or not be polarized? Say, oh, well, you know, so here's an example. If we decide and the church and the government says churches are not allowed to meet, but we as the church and the United Voices know we are going to meet. Are you going to sit at home and go, I can't believe what you people are doing. I can't believe how you're just not abiding. You guys are being reckless. Or are we going to be united and say, we're going. We're stepping forward in faith. We trust our leadership. We know they hear from God. We are moving forward. There's the test. Are you ready for these things that play out in us? And I know this is a strong and a hard word to do over Zoom. But it's, it's worth saying it <laughs> and worth giving it. See, the nice thing now when this goes and finishes, then I can just turn the Zoom off and you all stay in your homes and we don't get to talk. <laughs> I'll, I might get a few WhatsApps. But guys, we've got to be ready for this. And I want to finish off with this passage. Okay, we've gone over time a little bit. This is a dropping word this morning. 1 Peter 2, verse 13, it says this. And it says, submission to authority. This is Peter now writing. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as set by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. He's just really saying what Paul said there in Romans 13. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. That's a good line. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. But live as servants of God. And he drops a few bombs here and he goes, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That would have been the ruling authority in his day over him. Honor the emperor, fear God, love the brotherhood, honor everyone. Folks, there's a challenge to us as the church of God that we don't have a have a, a emotional reaction to things. Oh, I can't believe this. Now, apparently our president is going to announce something tonight. I don't know whether he's going to kind of do that. We have seen fluctuation in, in, in standards and in uh, integrity when it comes to our government. We can question those. We don't just whim over. We, they, they, I've seen strong messages from church leaders over our nation that the government has lied to them about the context. These are what we hold them to account on. Yes. These are the things we hold them to. This is where the wrath of God will come in them. And we keep ourselves clean, pure hearted and honor almighty God first. But we honor those in authority over us. We don't get pushed over. And there's coming a time. Are you ready? Where we will be able to rise and say, I'm sorry. We abide to Almighty God. Amen. 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 I always do um, invite the elders to join the after party here. Okay. If someone wants to add a word, I can see uh, Kathleen has unmuted herself and true to form, the after party queen will have something to add to us here.
You might want to unmute. There we go. Sorry. I know this after party thing. I, every week I go, no, I don't have anything to say. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, there's something you need to say. So we're just going to go with the after party for now. But something that's come up a lot this week for me is the spirit of fear, where I've seen it operating in people's lives, in the unsaved as well as the saved. And there's just a few things that I felt the Holy Spirit highlight that ties in with this because when you watch governments making decisions and you feel like your own freedoms and your own ability to make your own decisions are being taken from you, it really can open a door to the spirit of fear. And sometimes, a lot of the time, you don't even know you're operating under the spirit of fear. So I want to give you some things that might highlight that the spirit of fear is is taking root. The first thing it does, it always masks itself as wisdom. Okay? And if anything, I have seen over these 18 months this wisdom that has come out from from the CDC or the WH, all these things that we've trusted for so many years, this, this wisdom. And I've looked at it and I've gone, but why am I feeling so fearful? Because it's not wisdom. It's fear masking itself. Now, the spirit of fear will block the Holy Spirit. It'll block you from hearing the Holy Spirit. It presents its lies as facts. It makes you doubt the very thing the Lord has spoken over you. It dulls and then kills your discernment. And you eventually start taking everything in as pure fact. And I just want to read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. I'm reading it out of the NIV. But guys, this is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to the wisdom of Christ, not the wisdom of the CDC, not the wisdom of the South African government, the wisdom of Christ. And it says the following. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message, my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Hmm but not the wisdom of this age or to the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and the wisdom God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. They still don't. If they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us, his chosen ones, his children. By his spirit, he has revealed it. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. For we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And it goes on, and I encourage you to read that after this, because you realize it's not about what we think. It's about what God thinks. 
and from a WhatsApp message that you might receive from WhatsApp messages going around about, you know, Delta variant. I mean, there are so many variants at this point. I actually can't keep up with what's going on. And it does. It makes you go, <gasps> like, but immediately I go, but Holy Spirit, what are you saying about this? Yeah. And immediately he was like, talk to Michelle Rockhill, which I did. And she's like, no, 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 this is how it all works. Because you know what? The truth sets you free. So seek truth. Ask the Holy Spirit. That's what he's there for. He's like, mm. like, let's do it. Let's go on a research of truth. And think about fear. It divides. It polarizes. I went on a lovely walk with my Zumba pals. None of them are saved except one. The fear that these women had, and you could see one was pushing the vaccine. The other one was resisting mm. that. And it began to polarize them and I had to stop them and say guys can you see what's going on here we're not actually mm. hearing each other because we so want to defend our truth yeah. not the truth our truth and actually mm. bless them they actually saw it and I said we know each other if mm. I'm having a bit of a question around vaccines and I want to do some more research that doesn't make me the killer of the community you know, it's okay to do that. It's okay if you feel in your spirit you want to do the vaccine. If you have gone before God and you have got peace, go for it. That's amazing. God knows you better than you know you. But remember the spirit of fear. It wants to divide. It wants to isolate. It wants to polarize. It begins to breathe this, this um, atmosphere of distrust of each other. And if we let that creep into the church... Guys, we are not going to get through this. If it can do it in the church like it's doing it in the world, then it is one. But we are standing and we're saying no. I love you if you've taken the vaccine. And I love you if you haven't taken the vaccine. I'm not going to be polarized. I'm going to keep referring to the wisdom of God before I do anything. So I want to release that over you. If you are feeling like the spirit of fear has come in, because man, mm. it's sneaky. It's very, very sneaky. I want you to put your hand on your heart now and I'm going to do a declaration of you. Because the way that we get rid of it is you recognize it. You call it out. Mm. Don't keep pushing it to the side thinking, oh, it's just me. Uh-uh. The enemy is around like a prowling lion wanting to kill us, steal from us and destroy us. Don't ever forget that. So recognize it. Then we cast it out. And then you renew your mind. And the only way you can renew your mind is you, you get stuck in the word with the Holy Spirit. You shut off all the noise and you do a detox. You got to detox from the noise. So hand on hearts, let's go. Lord Jesus, we come to you today. Lord, we repent of any known sin and unknown sin that you would wash us clean before you right now, Father God. And we speak to the spirit of fear that is trying to operate in our lives, in our families, and in our communities. And we say in the name of Jesus, we bind you. In the name of Jesus, we cast you out. For the Lord has not given us the spirit of fear, but he has given us the spirit of peace, of self-control, and of love. That is how we're going to get through. So in Jesus' name, Spirit of fear, you will release our people. You will release them right now in the name of Jesus. And Father God, I pray that you would come in like a flood, a flood of peace, a flood of love, a flood of life, Lord Jesus. Remove the burdensome chains of the Spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus. Bless you.
<laughs> amen, amen, and amen. Folks, that is it. It is, it is the power of the Spirit that sets us free to worship God. And, yeah, you know, that's agreed. Ingram's there. What an after party. That's fantastic. Guys, let's believe that we walk in freedom. Okay? We walk in freedom, not bound by what's being dictated to us, but freedom of who Jesus and Christ is. We will not bow to the spirit of fear. Okay? And people are asking, when is Kathleen preaching? Good question. I think she's better at the after parties. So we'll, we'll just leave her organizing those. But, guys, let's walk in freedom. We are preparing ourselves for September where we're going to align ourselves with declarations and decreeing what God has said. And in this place, we have to believe, and here's my verse, Ephesians 3 verse 10, that through the church, the ecclesia, this legislative body that's declaring things on earth here, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And they will bow to Almighty God, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. So have a fantastic Rest of the week, go in favor, go in blessing. May you know financial blessing. May you know emotional wholeness. May you know freedom as you walk. And may your body feel strong. And may your soul prosper as you go and walk out in the things of the Almighty God this week. So be blessed.